Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski podcast. Numbers were good last week, I am told. So I'm excited to be back and I'm excited that uh, you want me to be back. Glad to be here and uh, to be reviewing what the Titans have been doing. Um, they're off Tuesday, at least uh, whatever they're doing will be unseen by media. I imagine it's a regeneration day at best or at worst for them. Uh, Buccaneers will be on the field with them Wednesday and Thursday. They're off Friday and then play the Bucks at Nissan Stadium Saturday night. Uh, it's lost a lot of its sizzle, obviously, because Tom Brady uh, is not part of the Bucks right now while he's on his uh, extended excused absence. Shockingly, Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask lack the hype that would come with Tom Brady. Um, so I, I would really expect the story of these few days should be um, the Titans defense against those quarterbacks uh, should be very good. I, I would think. Um, and we don't know who's going to be out there um, for them receiver wise last year when the Titans practiced in Tampa Bay, um, it was the Titans who, who, didn't have a lot of their prime guys on the field. A lot of guys were nicked up, dinged up. We'll see how it goes this time around. But um, I would think the Titans would have many more guys out there this time around than they did last time around. This has been a much healthier camp. Um, though the secondary, that's not really the case. And let's start there. Caleb Farley, um, who's you know, deservingly wears a bit of an injury prone tag uh, has had pretty good success to this point. And he shockingly ranks with Kevin Byard as the most healthy of the important defensive backs. Um, Elijah Molden missed two weeks. Christian Fulton missed a couple days. Chris Jackson's out since the Baltimore game. Roger McCreary has, uh, is missing time. Um, Hooker at safety and Theo Jackson at safety are currently out. That is one, two, three, four, five, six of the eight top defensive backs. Only Farley and Byard of that group have not missed time. That is really good news for Caleb Farley, who, you know, hasn't been absolutely consistent but um has played pretty well overall for a guy that we came in with with question marks i don't know if i said at the beginning welcome into the paul kuharski podcast i'm paul kuharski from paulkuharski.com thanks for joining me farley um mike vrabel spoke about him today i'm recording this on uh monday evening he said when you're out there every single day, you have a tendency to get better in summary. And uh, Caleb Farley's certainly doing that. People should not be panicked over what unfolded on Monday, but it was a huge defensive win day. First off, there was a period with a bunch of downfield throws, 50-50 balls, and guys just could not make plays on them racy mcmath had three chances that he did not make plays on uh kevin phillips kyle phillips failed to collect one um who was it Traylon burks failed to collect one 
mid-range ball, more mid-range ball, Des Fitzpatrick dropped it. And then later on, uh, pass breakups, just like crazy. Everybody was breaking up balls, uh, particularly second team. Or well, David Long broke up a bunch. Farley broke up two back-to-back on Racy McMath. Um, and then some second teamers, uh, Greg Maben had a couple, um, Avery swilling, um, and then, uh, some of the inside linebackers headed by chance Campbell, just pass breakup after pass breakup, you know, some of the throws weren't great, particularly from, um, Malik Willis, but, um, the receiver's and the past targets were not fighting the way they need to fight to win a higher share of these passes. It was um, the worst day in these uh, departments that we've seen. Now let's put it in context, the Titans receivers uh, and past targets, but receivers in particular have been better than we have expected coming into camp through the vast majority of camp so this was a notable day in them being bad uh, a notable day but it's not been the rule it's not a day that should set off panic um i, I wouldn't go that far farley those two plays though this is where we started with farley uh just arriving right at the right moment on McMath to bat away two balls at the beginning of an important series where the first team offense was trying to move the ball downfield immediately uh, put Ryan Tannehill and the first team offense in a third down is very, very good work by him. And uh, I was impressed and I've been impressed that he's been able to stay healthy. Um, I thought it was it was very good on McMath, who did not have a good day at all today, but had been stacking days prior to that. Rob Moore told us, you know, he's starting to understand how to use the tools that he has and gain confidence. Um, So that's uh, that's good news for McMath. And McMath is much more on the inside looking out. I I always thought he'd be on the team, but I thought he'd be a. a special teamer that played a little bit of receiver. I could see him now, uh, you know, in a receiver rotation, um, you know, getting some snaps, trying to take the top off things though, you know, no matter who the Titans have on their roster, I don't think people are backing off Derek Henry until there's a real show that, uh, you know, Derek Henry's not going to hurt them. And uh, we're going to need to see, you know, Derrick Henry in action, not having success and the Titans having some deep play success before anybody thinks about changing anything there. No defense is looking at the Tennessee Titans without thinking first and foremost, we've got to slow down Derrick Henry. Um, It's going to be a while before anybody changes their thinking and the Titans would have to perform differently, align differently uh, attack differently before anything changes there. That's why there's room for Racy McMath uh, to make plays downfield and Traylon Burks, who's leveled off some, to be quite honest. Um, you know, they keep saying, uh, and Moore said that Burks needs to play a little faster, not overthink things. We expect everybody to be fundamentally sound every single play. 
and he's wanting to do that. I thought they were really hard on him after the game, and I wrote about this on, on Sunday. I thought they were really uh, hard on him after the game about his performance. He was on the field for 30 snaps. Um, he was open on some of those snaps. Malik Willis didn't find him. Logan Woodside in the fourth quarter, you know, had him in a one-on-one in the end zone, didn't give him a good enough chance to go up and make a play on a 50-50 ball. But um, I think the coaches were determined not to give him much praise. And we don't know what he did, you know, on the plays that we didn't see on the one film guys cut up that I put up where, you know, maybe six times he broke open and we don't know if he ran through a zone that he was supposed to sit down uh, in you know, and ran through it and was open on the other side of it, but did the wrong thing. But I thought he deserved a little credit for, for getting open on plays where he didn't get the ball, but uh, they weren't giving it. And they seem uh, a little bit down on him right now. Um, we'll get back to the quarterbacks in, in a little bit. Um, let's stick with the receivers uh, and, and Rob Moore. I wrote a little bit today and urge you to go look at the piece about Moore uh, you know, all these coaches, most of them have times where players can get hands on with them a little bit. Um, and I noticed more on, on Sunday during an individual period, you know, was, was the guy he was asking receivers to block. Um, and some of that gets pretty handsy and some of that gets beyond handsy to, to physical. And so I was joking with more, um, on, on Monday about, you know, whether he ever feels that. And he joked that, you know, some guys see it as an opportunity to, uh, to get back at him. And uh, he does take a shot here and there. It turned it into a piece about guys getting a shot at their coaches once in a while. I thought it was relatively amusing. I hope you like it. Um, the one other guy he talked about was, was Kyle Phillips, who he's, you know, praised for getting his consistent separation and his quickness, but the, the other phrase he used was his route imagination, which I liked a lot because, um, and maybe I'll get back to it. There's not a lot of room really for route imagination, right? Guys are expected to run their routes precisely um, and to be in a specific spot at a specific time. Now, sometimes there's a little bit of leeway for how you get there. Sometimes there is not a lot of leeway for how you get there. But uh, if a rookie uh, mid-round pick is being praised for, uh, and this is a, a fifth-round pick, 163rd out of UCLA, is being praised for his route imagination, uh, I think that's a resounding endorsement of the guy. Um, and so that's some, some good news for him for sure. Um, Another guy that got a uh, really nice shout out, this one from Mike Vrabel, was Rashad Weaver. Um, I don't know where they're going to find playing time for him because they're so reluctant to take Harold Landry for sure and Bud Dupree also off the field at outside linebacker. And uh, Danico Autry is also pretty much playing outside linebacker in nickel and dime. So where are you going to get a fourth outside linebacker on the field? You're going to have to sub for these guys once in a while. But um, Brabel was talking about how Weaver's effort really stands out. His relentlessness is his biggest redeeming quality. 
that's a really nice compliment. The other thing that that he's got, Weaver, is is more size. I I, I picture him as more of an edge setter. He's he's six four two fifty nine. 64259 and Dupree, you know, is 64269. He's actually bigger. He doesn't feel bigger to me. He doesn't look bigger to me. So, you know, that's deceptive. Landry 62252. So, I think Weaver's bigger than uh, than he's listed there maybe. Um and he looks more endish sometimes than he looks outside linebackerish. So we'll see how they use him. But he's going to be a big special teams guy, and I think um, he's going to have trouble getting on the field because uh, Ola Adeni is also, uh, you know, rushes the passer really well when he gets his chance, and um, he doesn't always get on the field as much as he deserves. So I can't believe I'm actually saying that the Titans have some options at outside linebacker position where they've been thin in, in recent years, but um, you know, Landry Dupree, Autry Weaver and um, Ola could be a pretty good five pack there really. And um, I think while they like Weaver's relentlessness and his effort, um, Maybe tough for him to get on the field if everybody's healthy, um, particularly because those top two do not like to come off the field, and the Titans don't don't really force the issue. Though I do think there's a law of diminishing returns there. Old old line coach when the Titans were a four three, Jim Washburn, you know, did a study and thought after a certain amount of snaps, guys stopped producing at the same level and needed to come off the field. This regime does not buy that. I mean, can't argue with the results because Landry has been quite good and uh, Dupree in the games he played, you know, couldn't argue with the snaps that he was getting. Um, speaking of Dupree, Dupree uh, pled guilty to misdemeanor assault charge from that dumb incident he had last season in a uh, Walgreens downtown over by the farmer's market in downtown Nashville. Um, and he's got a suspended sentence. So uh, according to the personal conduct policy, a player violates the policy when he has a disposition of a criminal proceeding that includes an adjudication of guilt or an admission to a criminal violation. And that lines him up or a fine or a suspension. I've not gotten an answer uh, from the league at the time of this recording about if he could still be in line for a suspension. I, I feel like it's unlikely, but I don't know for sure. It's still in the realm of possibility. Certainly um, a fine is, but I can read to you here. Um, I think what the important uh, or the key element is, if I can get back into this file, if you'll give me a second. Um, and I need to get to the right page. So that was a little bit of a stall. Any player arrested or charged with violent or threatening conduct that would violate this policy, and we know the policy has been violated based on what I just uh, 
talked you through, will be offered a formal clinical evaluation, the cost of which will be paid by the league and appropriate follow-up education, counseling, or treatment programs. These evaluations will be available at designated facilities around the country on a confidential basis. The player may select a particular provider at the designated facility. The evaluation counseling and other services are not disciplinary, but are instead intended to help and assist the player address the issues giving rise to the proceedings. The player's decision to make beneficial use of these clinical services will be considered a positive factor in determining eventual discipline if a violation is found, and his satisfactory participation in counseling, treatment, or therapy may mitigate the fine or suspension that might otherwise be imposed. Um, so I, that may have happened already. Um, if it hasn't happened already, I mean, that's arrested or charged with violent threatening conduct. Um, it, it, once you're arrested or charged with violent or threatening conduct, you're offered this clinical evaluation. Um, and it doesn't seem you're offered. It, it seems, it's, uh, seems kind of mandated. But if Dupree hasn't gone through that already, he would be going through it now. And I would think satisfactory participation in counseling, treatment, or therapy that would mitigate the fine or suspension that might otherwise be imposed. I, I, I'm just guessing here, but I would think that that, uh, had he gone through all of this, as far as we know, being a first time violator, um, getting into an altercation with a, a store clerk um, at a Walgreens, well, I think the Titans would be hopeful and that Bud Dupree would be hopeful that, that would be um, the end of it. But we do not know for sure. And I have not heard back from the league if this is considered a um, closed case or if something is still possible for Bud. Of course, Rashad Weaver still has a more serious incident um, hanging over his head that is due to uh, go to court sometime soon. Back on to the field, let's run through some other stuff. Assistant coaches uh, talked on Monday morning, and I've given you some of, uh, of what some of them said. So uh, let's hit on a few more. Um, Keith Carter talking about his two candidates for right tackle talked about Nick Petit-Frere being really smart. He said he needs to tie in the execution with the thinking. Uh, that sounds like a, uh, a little bit similar to what we're hearing about Malik Willis. Um, tie in the execution with the thinking. Don't want a guy uh, overthinking and need him to execute. Petit-Frere, um, you know, started on the offensive line, as did Braden's, um, in – Baltimore, uh, but they came back and then Raidens was back at right tackle for a while and now it's changed up. So I think um, that's legitimately still a competition. I feel like they'd like Petit Frere to win it, but I don't know that he's distinguished himself. Carter said of Raidens, he's working on some things in pass protection he knows are key for his next step. Um, so he didn't point to a run blocking issue. He pointed to a pass protection issue that he knows are key for his next step. Jamarco Jones, he said, was making strides, but he's banged up now. That's put everything on hold. So let's keep an eye on him for injuries. Um, 
Tony Dews regarding Julius Chestnut said he's a very conscientious kid made up of the right things. He responded to this, to the fumble the right way. What was interesting to me here is that Chestnut came back out of that game and maintained his spot uh, like he did in that game. Obviously Derek Henry uh, is first, but Derek Henry doesn't participate in uh, much team stuff. And when he's not participating in much team stuff, how do things shake out? Well, Titans seem to have stayed with a depth chart similar to the one they used, at least in terms of chestnut, similar to the one they used in Baltimore. Um, and so I asked Dues about how other people, including uh, Hassan Haskins, uh, could maybe close that gap. He said, I wouldn't say it's a gap. It's just the way it's been playing. But I think... Um, you know, Haskins needs to take advantage of some stuff and, and try to reorder that group. If he could, you'd like to see, um, you'd like to see a fourth round pick out playing an undrafted rookie, a fourth round pick from Michigan out playing an undrafted rookie from Sacred Heart. A lot of time still, a lot of time. Pat O'Hara talking about uh, Malik Willis said, you know, uh, Malik Willis needs that visual evidence to, to get that light bulb to go on that uh, Willis very self-aware. I, I said, you know, I, I'm puzzled by the idea, even in his first game, that he was so reluctant to throw. And I asked O'Hara about that. He said, it's a brand new system. There's a process there that you build on. Each day you want to get a little bit better. It takes some time and you can see the cool flashes. We just want to see the consistency. I really hope in, in game two against the Buccaneers, he's a lot more willing to throw it. I mean, I'm a big believer in quarterbacks who throw the ball. I'm funny that way, but I got to have a quarterback who throws the ball. And they continue, of course, to tout um, Logan Woodside. And uh, O'Hara pointed out he converted five of seven third downs passing. And that's a, a good efficiency to build on. Um, side story. So uh, I should have mentioned this when I was talking about the, uh, the idea of receivers getting a chance to hit Rob Moore. So I was talking to some receivers about it after practice. I talked to NWI, Nick Westbrook, Akine. Um, I talked to Robert Woods, and then I was uh, stalking Racy McMath to ask him about it, but got to present it a certain way because it's, uh, you know, a quirky, different story. And so Lawan is walking by, Taylor Lawan, and he, of course, has to egg things on. So he tells Racy McMath, be careful. It's a trap. This guy likes to set traps. Be careful. And so, of course, Racy doesn't know any any better. I don't know him particularly well yet. And he uh, he throws up all the caution lights. So he thinks I'm being totally serious about him hitting Rob Moore like he's committing some kind of assault. Not to make light of it, we we're talking about a couple serious assaults earlier. But so I get completely guarded, uh, Racy McMath, out of that you know, kind of try to get him laughing before he walks away, but no success whatsoever. So Luan, who hangs out once in a while after practice, even when nobody's looking for him to try to get some attention, I, I go over and I'm like, you completely screwed me with McMath. And he's like, was it a trap? And I'm like, no, it wasn't a trap. I'm not trapping people. Um, and so then I proceeded to ask Luan about it because he's spent 
much time last year when he was coming off the ACL with Vrabel, uh, hitting him with a bag and uh, with Keith Carter. And so he talked to me a little bit about what it's like to uh, to get a chance to to work on a coach and to hit a coach. And uh, there's video of that in the piece as well. Sorry, I didn't hit that earlier. Uh, and here's something else out of context because my notes are out of order. I don't know if I mentioned this. Jim Wyatt kept count of Malik Willis on Monday. He was seven of 22 in seven on seven and team periods. That is not good. Also circling back to Danico Autry, um, who was out Monday along with uh, Amani Hooker, Chris Jackson, Theo Jackson. Autry um, has, has had a relatively light camp. I, I was talking to some other reporters on the sideline. We agreed that Autry has maybe had the second lightest camp to Derrick Henry in terms of uh, team work, work with the, with the first team. So um, he's gotten himself, uh, you know, he's a veteran who's, uh, you know, they know what they're going to get out of him when the time comes, he's a little bit older and uh, he certainly hasn't had a huge amount of work and i don't think i talked uh maybe we'll conclude here about des fitzpatrick um who i should have bunched with the receivers i'm learning here that even though i thought i could fly around my notes and organize on the fly i've got to uh structure them a little better so i apologize um des fitzpatrick is just so average it's it's frustrating frustrates me and i don't have any skin in the game it must be very frustrating to you to watch a fourth round pick from last year um who looks very much like he's on the outside looking in in terms of roster spots so sunday they were running you know two minute drill stuff i think they started with 150 on the clock the offense wasn't moving the ball great um but they were managing the clock efficiently and uh fitzpatrick broke away from from a busted coverage, somebody lost him. He was wide open and Tannehill hit him. I think it was maybe a 48 yard pass, 40 something yard pass up the right side. And he uh, ran under it, scored a touchdown that would have won the game in the scenario that they had laid out. They were trying to position themselves for a game winning field goal and they got themselves a game winning touchdown. And then today, you know, running a, a crosser right to left, heading to the left sideline, you know, with the defensive back, two or three yards further upfield than he was with not a factor in coverage at all ball bounces right off des fitzpatrick's hands so and you want the, the classic illustration of the kind of inconsistency that des fat des fitzpatrick is showing right now there it is um it's just not doing anything that uh on back-to-back -back days that makes him stand out and I, I don't think that he's technically um, working. I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm no wide receiver tech technique expert by any means, but when I watch guys do drills, he doesn't seem to be um, as big. So he, uh, Vrabel was asked uh, for an example of uh, maybe a lack of urgency from Fitzpatrick in the game. And 
he gave this as his answer. He said it wasn't that he lacked urgency to get in there. It's just his technique kind of broke down. This is blocking downfield. And the guy threw off it and they made a tackle for a six yard gain. We'd like to have him get in there, replace his hands and finish the guy or cover him up. It wasn't that he lacked the urgency to go in there and try to get him. He did. And it was good physical contact again. And it just kind of lost it a couple seconds into the play. I guess we could use that as an example of there was urgency. It's just, there wasn't the finish has to be better. And I think that illustrates kind of another element that's missing for Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, it's a good blocking group of wide receivers and um, he doesn't, I don't know that he gets it all of the way. I don't know that he gets what's required of he and the rest of the group. Um, there's been no light bulb moment for him that I could see. So maybe he'll do better in the coming games. If you're not a subscriber to paulkuharski.com, you should be. You get uh, these podcasts and uh, everything that I write, weekly column from Mike Herndon, um, pre-game, preseason, uh, no, sorry, post-game preseason scouting reviews from Blake Bettingfield, who scouted for the Titans for 19 years. Then when we get into the regular season, he'll give you a game preview from a scouting perspective and a game review. And then uh, at least once a week, I have a um, video, a broadcast where I interact with you. Um, we, we talk, I take your questions. I do one from the stadium after regular season games. And I do one during the week as well. I will do one this week, um, Thursday night after the Titans um, are finished with their two days with the Buccaneers to reflect on what they did against the Bucs. All this for $5.99 a month price of a cocktail or a beer or you can get 12 months for the price of 11 it's really a steal if you want to read every angle about the titans i work hard to do angles that you don't find everywhere else so everybody's writing the same thing generally the story of the day and then you get something different um, from me plus those other two guys and everything else ask anybody who's a member they'll tell you they get more than their money's worth i hope you will too uh, got some sponsorship avail uh, opportunities available, including this podcast. You can email me at pkuharski at gmail.com. So I appreciate, uh, and there's also a Facebook group for members only. People uh, often sell tickets at face value in there and uh, some good extra conversation that goes on in there. Um, I just put up... Um, a question in there about if there's anything anybody wanted me to cover in the podcast and i see i'm just going there now and i see a little bit uh question about des fitzpatrick that i've also uh already covered david jackson asks are we doing anything different are the titans doing anything different with regard to soft tissue injury prevention hamstrings etc so i'll finish on that um you know, Mike Vrabel was really big proponent of guys taking care of themselves and doing the right things while they're away from the team in February and March and some of April, you know, and then for the guys who weren't around for OTAs, you know, April and, and May. So that's a long stretch where the Titans don't have control of guys and they need them to be doing what they send them home with. And then again, you know, um, for for nearly six weeks in June and July before they come back for camp. So 
knock on wood, there have been a lack of hamstring injuries, calves, groins, um, quads, the kind of things that have bothered this team uh, far too much last year in particular. Now you got rid of, um, you know, a couple of the main offenders, Julio Jones, old guy who couldn't keep himself together with tape. Um, AJ Brown had a lot of hamstring injuries, but I do uh, suspect that guys did a better job um, during that time, which the Titans felt like was one of the primary culprits in the trouble that they were having. Maybe they were passing the buck a little bit there, but I have no reason not to believe that that was one of the big, uh, big issues. Um, Listen to Outkick 360, where I appear daily, 2 to 5 Central, with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. And um, until I talk to you again, don't block the box and be sure to lock the locks. Thanks for everything. I appreciate you. (laughs) 